Welcome to Joyfield and Jesus Led. I'm your host, Tony Daniels, sharing real life stories and practical tools that not only let you know you're not alone, but also help you become the emotional spiritual ninja warrior you were created to be. This season addresses how to offer non-anxious leadership, even in the midst of painful and often overwhelming circumstances. Do we white knuckle it and force ourselves to believe that everything will be fine? Or is there a more integrated way to live through these moments? A way where we feel our hard feelings and sense God with us, holding us and showing us what we need in order to return to peace and even offer hope without the anxiety, striving, and fear. In this episode, I share a personal example of how Jesus walked with me when I found out my daughter was self-harming. God gave me an image that continued to give me peace during 10 years of my daughter's life-threatening journey. Hope this is helpful. Hi there, so Tony here, and today we are continuing a series on being a non-anxious hope bearer in this uncertain and chaotic world that we live in. Really, um, another way of talking about this is how to follow Jesus in impossible circumstances or situations that we find ourselves in. And so last week, I laid out a little bit of listening to Jesus around how do we do this well, instead of kind of white knuckling our way through Uh, difficult situations, kind of convincing ourselves that we're okay because we're really just ignoring our feelings or suppressing them or cutting them off or trying to act like they don't exist, which actually shows up in physical ailments and all kinds of uh, problems. How do we do this in an integrated way, a way that God invites us into where we do it with God, (laughs) where we feel his presence with us, where we hear his words of comfort to us, and instead of just trying to think about him and what he wants for us, we're actually living these things with him, um, inspiring us and giving us the hope that uh, kind of begins in the inside out. And I talked last week about these these faith and faith being images that we see of the future, of a future reality that no one else can see yet and that we can't even see with our eyes yet. But somehow when we ask God, how does this end? He can show us glimpses of the future that that give us what we need right now to be at perfect peace. So Um, thinking of Christ on the cross, right? For the joy set before him, he had this image in his mind of the end of all things where we're all together celebrating. His people are with him. They're with each other. They're united. They're whole. And that image gave him everything he needed to endure well, to endure suffering well, and to remain himself in the middle of everything that he went through, as well as to love his enemies. So it's incredible. And I believe that God is inviting us into the same relationship with him where we ask him, how does this end? Can you show me what I need to radiate this peace from the inside out, to walk with God in it, um, as opposed to Uh, disconnecting from myself in order to get through something that's really hard. So that's what we're talking about. And um, I'm in the process of sharing stories about um, kind of how this has looked in my own life. 
And lots of these stories are with my children because that tends to be the area of my life that I am completely out of control um, in the sense of I can't live their life for them. <laughs> um, I have to literally let God and them work some things out. And um, so I, I'm sharing today in particular a very, very tender story. So I want to give a heads up um, that this could be a little difficult to hear um, but I'm going to share m m mostly what I'm, what I sensed God saying and the joy and all of the, the image and everything that, that brought me peace, but the actual situation, um, is sensitive. So I just want to give you that heads up. Um, this story happened in 2011 and, um, one of my children at the time, uh, was 11 years old and, having a very, uh, difficult time. This, uh, you know, we were missionaries in Uruguay, South America. Uh, she had grown up there. Uh, she had left her family over and over and over again throughout the years. So there was a lot of pain and attachment, uh, pain, which is really the deepest level of pain we can all feel when we are missing our people. And, um, and then she was in a Spanish speaking Uruguayan school and had been bullied and suffered lots of bullying. So, uh, the story of our, of, of our daughter is a, is a very difficult story, um, and a very painful one that, you know, now she's an adult and she's making a beautiful sense of it all and, uh, finding herself in it and finding, I think, peace and, and God, but, it was a very rough go and she was our first as well. So we had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> um, so this was 2011. She was 11. And this night uh, was, yeah, this was very, uh, very difficult. So I'm just going to give you a quick heads up, but actually she was 10. She wasn't even 11 yet. Um, I'm going to read you, just read you part of the the excerpt from my book. This is, this story is written in the book, Four Keys to Parent Fearlessly. And I'm just going to read some of it and comment as I go. I think that might be the best way to share this story. Um, Allie, who I have permission to share this, um, 10 years old, she's been up and down emotionally. We have amazing playful moments followed by her melting down in anger and pushing us away. It is as if the intense joy we're now experiencing as a family allows her to feel some of her pain from past trauma. So we, my husband and I had gone through Thrive Training. If you don't know what that is, it's a relational skill training where you learn about joy and quiet and bonds, healthy family bonds and how to soothe yourself. And you learn a lot of relational skills um, in order to be able to have healthy relationship. And so we had learned about joy, being glad to be together no matter what. And we had began practicing uh, this as a family and really shifting our entire, the way our entire fu uh, family functioned. And so she was entering into that and enjoying it. And I think it was giving her strength to feel some of the pain in her life. Mourning the loss of her extended family because we lived in Uruguay, grieving over the bullying she's experienced for years now in her Spanish speaking schools. A lot has happened in her short little life. And on Thursday, the climax hit. She had several fits of anger. And as I tucked her into bed, we reviewed the day, the appreciation moments, as well as how big the harder feelings had been for her. As she talked of the harder feelings, 
she showed me her arm. And apparently she had gotten so angry earlier in the day that she had cut herself on her arm. We knew a few older children in our Uruguayan family and community who had also begun cutting themselves. I don't know if it was like a, a pandemic almost during the 2000s where children started doing that. Um, you know, when I was growing up, that wasn't something people were doing, you know, nor it was, it just wasn't common. Um, but it seems like around 2008 to, to 12, it became like a common thing that children were doing. Um, which was disturbing to say the least, right? And, and difficult to process, um, especially as missionaries um, on the mission field. Um, but it definitely, there were lots of children doing it um, around that time. Maybe they still are, but my heart was broken. I did not know what to say or do. I, I quickly took a few deep breaths in that moment because I, I didn't want to overwhelm her with my emotions of fear or anything. So I took some deep breaths and I looked for Jesus in the room, uh, literally right there with me. And I could see him right next to me at the edge of Allie's bed. Seeing his compassionate, fearless eyes gave me peace. He, he wasn't afraid. He wasn't as freaked out as I was, obviously. Um, and I silently asked him to guide me and direct the conversation. So that happened in seconds, right? While I was right there, she shows me her arm. I see it. I take a deep breath and center and try to do this with God, right? I wasn't thinking about Bible verses or what would Jesus do or, you know, what principle, what biblical principle should I employ right here? No, I took a deep breath and I asked God, where are you? I need you. I need you immediately. And thankfully, I, because we had practiced sensing his presence so frequently, I could sense him right there and see, I could even see his face and seeing his face gave me the peace that I needed to interact with my daughter. So with that assurance and that soothing, I gently, cautiously began the conversation with my daughter doing what I could do to attune to her, right? Meaning to feel what she's feeling, to help her uh, feel seen. So I, I think I responded with something like, wow, you have been in a lot of emotional pain, haven't you? And she nodded and she looked really sad. I continued and it seems like you just don't know what to do to make the pain go away. Is that right? And she nodded. And I asked, you know, well, did that help you? Did that, you know, cutting yourself actually help your pain go away? My question was honest and non-judgmental. I was pointing to the fresh cut on her arm, and I genuinely wanted to know if it made her feel better. Because I'm trying to understand this whole thing, right? Gentle curiosity in moments like this seemed to work better than reacting out of my fear and sadness. When I express shock or dismay or fear, it usually triggers shame in her and then she shuts down. So I'm, I'm really trying to be gently curious and stay in Christ's peace, the peace that I see in his eyes right there. I just wanted the pain on the outside to match the pain on the inside. She shared very articulately for a 10-year-old. We continued talking for an hour or so about the nature of joy and pain. How our family had recently been working to build joy, that amazing feeling we have when we're all glad to be together no matter what, but that ironically, when we build joy, 
we also increase our capacity to feel the pain that has been inside of us. So the question becomes, what are we going to do with our pain? And as she pondered, I added, do you want to continue cutting yourself to make it somehow feel better? Or do you want to learn other ways to deal with your pain? I could see the struggle inside of her. And I continued to look at Jesus because, of course, I didn't want to tank emotionally in front of her. And I silently prayed for her. She finally responded in the silence, I, w- I want to learn other ways to deal with it, Mommy. My relieved heart exhaled. And then she continued, please take the knife. I hid it behind the bookshelf. I let out a deep breath of relief and gratitude, and I grabbed the knife, and we continued processing. And I explained to her the normal in our family when you were young was really tense and somewhat conflicted. Your daddy and I would sometimes get distracted by our own emotional worlds, and you were sometimes lost in the middle unseen and emotionally alone. So again, we've talked about attachment in this podcast before and that, you know, that very distracted attachment that both my husband and I had, um, you know, I knew was affecting her. And I was able to say, but now we know how to build joy in our family. We know how to be more consistent with you and with each other. And our normal is shifting to a place of belonging where we are more present, more relational, and so glad to see each other and be glad to be together. You're invited on this journey with us, I told her, because we can't force her to receive. We can't at that age. She was 10. She was her own person at that point. I said, your baby brother and your sister, who were only one and two, you know, they'll know nothing different. But you will come to a place where you will have to decide whether you want to go where we're going. You can push us away and stay stuck in pain and tension and conflict, or you can let love in and you can let us love you. Let us enjoy you. Let us see you and begin to enjoy us as well. It takes practice and it will not be easy, I told her. The more joy that you let in, the more grieving will surface. However, the disconnected way we have lived has not been easy either, has it? (laughs) I closed uh, that conversation looking at her arm. My beautiful daughter looked at me and this time she decided to let love in. She asked about the exercises we did to help grow our brain, our joy center in our brain. And we held each other and we prayed together and she rejected out loud any desire to cut herself and she asked God's protection to cover her. So that happened and and I left her room and, you know, she was 10, you know, we went through a good 10 more years with her of struggling up and down (laughs) and now she's letting love in more consistently than ever. And it's so beautiful, but it was a real rocky 10 years. This journey uh, is probably not over and it's taken a long time, but, but I want to focus in on what happened after I left the room because this is the impossible part, right? This, this whole situation was impossible for me because it it didn't end right there. This was just the beginning of her emotional journey into uh, forming a secure attachment, whereas we had formed with her a very distracted and in some cases disorganized attachment um, in her childhood and, and because of the abuse and things she had suffered. And so this was the beginning, not not even close to the end. Um, and I left her room 
And I collapsed in tears. I mean, oh my goodness, the gravity of what had just happened hit me. And all the worry and all the fear that I had been keeping at bay while looking into Jesus's eyes with her right there in her bedroom, all of that came rushing forward like a stampede of heavy thoughts. So I got, I went to my bedroom to just be with Jesus and be with God in this, um, in this state. I found him in my appreciation memories, as we've talked about um, in, in several of my books and in podcasts. And I could find him quickly, thankfully, and I could sense his perspective. And this image that he gave me that day, it got me through 10 years, 10 years of struggling with her. And this one image that he gave me that I'm about to share with you on this day, it evolved over those 10 years. Every time I got to um, a dismayed place where this is hopeless, I can't do anything, you know, this is an impossible situation. Every time I got to that place, God would take me back to this image and it would evolve and develop. So over the next few podcasts, I, I might share some of the ways this very image evolves. Um, but this was the beginning image. So I'm there. I am in appreciation with God. I can sense Jesus with me. And I, and I ask him, you know, what do you want me to know about this? How does this end? And I see him there. And I hear the word, the words actually filled my mind first. And the words were, I have her, Tony. She is mine. His words filled every nook and cranny in my mind, leaving no room for doubt, fear, or worry. I mean, they were radiating, pulsating in my brain, pushing out all of the feelings of worry. It was incredible. The words were accompanied by an image of Jesus on the cross. So he's, he's there hanging on the cross, but yet somehow he's holding my daughter in his strong arms at the same time. And she was facing away from him. And in the image, I could see like the powers of hell uh, fighting to rip her out of his arms. Like they're there and they're just battling. The image was so strong that it felt real. And I watched as this scene unfolded right? And he declared again, she is mine, causing a tidal wave of power to flow from his presence. And all who wished my daughter harm disappeared in the wake of his voice. It was beautiful. While I would have expected to be relieved by this image, I still had a lot of doubt. It was wonderful, but there was still doubt there. And I expressed my doubt to Jesus. And the image continued to change like a movie in my mind. I saw my daughter elbow Jesus in the side like she wanted away from him. She wanted out of his arms even though he had just rescued her. She elbows him in the side and drops to the ground as he lets go. And she takes off running as fast as she can away from him. And I put my doubts into a question. God, what if she pushes you away and runs? Because I just felt like that's exactly what she's going to do. This child is going to run from you. She is not going to be happy in your arms like this. She's going to run. And what are you going to do about it? The image shifted again as I asked Jesus this question. And he launches himself off the cross, drops to the ground, and bolts after her. And he says to me, I'm going to go after her, Tony. Remember, I'm the good shepherd. I go after the lost, the lost sheep. I went after you, didn't I? 
Yes, he had gone after me and memories came to my mind of him meeting me in my own journey in moments that were very difficult emotionally when I was a teenager. He's always shown up for me when I needed him. And while that brought comfort, I still couldn't help but state the obvious, right? That's comforting God, but she is more rebellious than I ever was. (laughs) Knowing my fears, he reassured me. I will go after her. She is mine. And I really started weeping at that point um, and crying out all the fear and the doubt and the worry that had been trapped in my body. You know, the body keeps the score. It's a famous book out there if you haven't read it. And, And it does. It really does. If we just stuff our feelings, they will manifest in physical symptoms. And for me personally, crying um, lets out all that fear and all of that doubt, worry, and all of that, that that actually was trapped in my body in that moment. And so thankfully, the joy of being with God and his reassurance gives me enough capacity at that point to then just cry and let all of this out as I see him chasing her, right? And, and that peace, you know, knowing Uh, that God is going after her, uh, that it was amazing for me. And it left me humbled. It left me peaceful and it left me expectant. I was almost excited to see what God was going to do in her life. (laughs) Almost excited for her to rebel because I knew he was going to go after her. So that was 2011. Um, And I'll come back in other podcasts and share little snippets throughout the 10 years of this image and how it evolved through incredibly difficult circumstances that um, that came about during those 10 years. All that to say, though, that I was able to live these things with a deep peace a peace that was wrought through feeling my fear and my doubt and my terror with God with me, with him right there present, holding me, comforting me, giving me images that from the inside out would give me hope. I did not get through this because I had memorized scripture and was trying to convince myself of truth and trying to push away my negative feelings. And you know, I, I, it breaks my heart because I hear so many people today wanting to cling to truth, but they don't realize truth is a person. It's a person. Truth is Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And so when we cling to truth, it, it really isn't just about clinging to principles in a book that was written 2,000 years ago or more. It's about being with a person uh, and a God who want to bring truth into the inner parts of our soul that then radiate outwards. It's, It's a totally different way of living the Christian life. So I hope this is helping give you, um, real life examples, right, of how this looks when it's being lived out and, and what I mean by some of the things that I'm saying, because I know it's it's a paradigm shift for many of us to walk this way with God. We talk about walking with Him and knowing Him so often, but yet most people I know don't 
really know him and they don't really know how to walk with him. They know how to think about God. So um, I hope this helps uh, you live more joy-filled in Jesus, lad. And if you need any materials to help at all, know that uh, the book Four Keys to Parent Fearlessly walks through these steps very clearly. Back to joy. Uh, in that book, I walk through these steps as well. And Luke 10, LK10.com is always here to help you train if you want to grow your skills in being able to connect heart to heart with yourself, with each other, with God, and listen to God together. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this episode of Joy-Fueled and Jesus-Led. Are you done white-knuckling your way through life and faith? Are you longing for a more relational way of living with God instead of just applying principles about God? God is as close as your breath and wants to be with you in all of your heavy feelings. If you'd like some help in living into this level of intimacy with God, grab your copy of Four Keys to Parent Fearlessly or Back to Joy and sign up for an intro call with Luke 10 today. Until next time. Thank you.